pirates of the Caribbean. Captain Jack Sparrow said, all that matters in life is this, what a man can do and what a man can't do. And I'm afraid that for many people, that is their idea of Christianity. All that matters is what we can do and what we can do, can't do. And when this is our mindset, we reduce Christianity down to a list of do's and don'ts. Do go to church. Don't sin. Now, the best that happens when we make this mindset is that we reduce Christianity to a, another sort of self-help philosophy. You turn over a new leaf. You try to do your best. You do your do's. You don't do your don'ts. And then, and then if you do it just right, you, you might have a measure of success and and maybe, just maybe, your life will be a little bit better. And if it doesn't work out for you, well, don't worry. There's all kinds of other self-help philosophies at the bookstore. You can just give one of those a shot. Maybe it will do, for you, it'll do better for you than this did. The worst that can happen when we do this is that we twist Christianity in some sort of harsh, performance-based religious system. You do your do's and you don't do your don'ts. And if you do it just right, you'll feel successful and maybe your God will love you. But if you don't do your dues and if you don't or if you do your don'ts, then you're a failure and your God is likely going to get you. My friends, if this is your view of Christianity as a self-help philosophy or a harsh religious system, then I have good news for you today. There is more. There is so much more to Christianity than a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is more than a self-help philosophy or a harsh religious system. Christianity is about a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ who came to give us life and life more abundantly, he said. Now, an abundant life is far more than a list of do's and don'ts. An abundant life is far more than a self-help philosophy. An abundant life is far more than a harsh religious system. More. It's what we're going to talk about today, because when you follow Jesus, there is more than what you can imagine. Open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, page 587, if you have a pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word. Jeremiah 18 and 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The title of the message this morning is, I Can Be Remade. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We praise you for your grace and your goodness. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather and to study your word and to celebrate the risen Lord. Holy Father, guide us in this time as we look at your word. That, God, we would have ears to hear and hearts that could receive what you have for us today. Father, you know the, the heart, the mind, the spiritual condition of every person in here today. 
And Lord, you know what they need to get from this message and what they need to take to their lives. And Father, what you want to to do in them and through them and for them. Father, help us all today to be very careful to lay aside the cares of life so that we can listen to what you have for us. Help us, Father, to look long in your word and see that it is living and active. Let us be receptive to whatever your spirit is going to speak to us from this today. Father, and help us to respond in ways that demonstrate that, Lord, we love you, that Jesus is Lord and that we want to be who you have created us to be. Guide me today to have clarity of thought and clarity of speech that I would not be a hindrance in any way to what you want said or to what you want done. Your Holy Spirit, fill me and let your words come out of my mouth, Father. Truly, we need to hear from you today and not from me. Be glorified in all that happens. Draw us ever closer to Jesus, we ask in his precious and mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. The time of the writing of the book of Jeremiah, Israel, as they often were, was in a state of rebellion against God. They were actively participating in idol worship, immorality, and pretty much everything God's law said they were not to do, they were doing it. And if God's law said to do it, they weren't doing it. So God calls Jeremiah to go and take his word to the people to call them back into the right way of life. Now, the people were not necessarily receptive to Jeremiah's message and his ministry. They they largely just rejected him uh, almost violently at times. God responded to their rejection of his word and his calling them back to basically tell them you're going to reap what you've sown. I mean, there's a time of consequences that are coming. Well, Jeremiah had a he had a huge burden for his people to turn back to God, and he did not want them to suffer the consequences for their sin. And so he he continued to cry out and he continued to call them to turn back to God. But the people, they didn't care. They didn't want to hear anything that Jeremiah had to say. And his heart was basically broken over it to the point that we refer to him often as the the weeping prophet. Because he wept over the sins of his people and over the consequences that they would reap. And as this kept going on, Jeremiah sort of reached a point in his life where he almost became hopeless by the whole thing. He he began to just almost give up and think, man, there's just no way. The people will never turn back to God. There will never be a day when our people are, are brought back to the way that they're supposed to be. And he was despondent and hopeless and giving up. And it was in this time that that God spoke to him and began to tell him to go to the potter's house where he could receive a message of hope, where he could receive a message of comfort. I like that God came to Jeremiah in a hopeless moment of his life and he promised him a word of encouragement. God didn't tell Jeremiah to suck it up. He didn't. Leave Jeremiah alone to work through it himself. God actively went to Jeremiah in this time. And he actively said, here's what I want you to do. He, he spoke to Jeremiah and he, he's promised him a word of comfort. That when Jeremiah left the potter's house, he would leave with a renewed sense of zeal for the Lord and a renewed hope in what God could do for the nation of Israel. What gave Jeremiah hope is meant to give us hope as well. 
But all the things that are written are written for our comfort. That we can have hope. So today, if you are here and you are in a hopeless place, a despairing, despondent place, listen carefully to God's word to Jeremiah, because it is also God's word to you. Now, God told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. And and in verse three, we're told a very simple phrase that I think could be easily to overlook. Jeremiah says, I went down. Jeremiah did what God told him to do. God had something good for Jeremiah. God had something to bless him, to encourage him, to help him be all that he was supposed to be and do all that he was supposed to do. But the only way for Jeremiah to receive it would be to go to the potter's house. If Jeremiah stayed where he was, he would miss all that God wanted to do in him and through him and for him. And then the principle for us is that if we want what God offers, we have to do what God says. I mean, when God gives us something, God always calls on us to to change a thought, to do an action, to believe something. And if we want what God gives, we have to do as God says. That is always a part of what it means to follow the Lord. So Jeremiah, he goes to the potter's house. And he watches. And the potter is making something on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay, it was marred. The Bible says now that it was marred, it basically means that there was a flaw in it, that as the the potter began to work and make it, something happened that disfigured it, that, that damaged it. Essentially, all it did was it made it not what it was supposed to be. You know, the potter, when he began to make this, he had an idea of what this vessel should be like and what it would look like and what it would do. And this mar was was keeping it. From being what the potter intended for it to be. And the vessel and the mar were kind of symbolic of Israel. God had a plan for what he wanted Israel to be. He had an idea of what they were supposed to be and to do in the world. But their rebellion had had marred them. Their rebellion had had kept them from being all that God intended for them to be. And like the vessel and, and, and like Israel. There are things in our lives that can mar us, that can keep us from being all that God intends for us to be. And and there's a lot of things, but three that that I thought of quickly. One was sin. That's the most common one that we we think of the most is that sin can mar us. Right. Jesus said that out of our hearts, it proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetous wickedness, deceit, lewdness and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Now, notice this last part. All of these things come from within and they defile a man, but defile sort of an inward marring. Right. A defile is sort of it means we're not what we're supposed to be. God has a a plan and an idea for who we are supposed to be, what our character is supposed to be like. But sin, it mars that by defiling us. And it makes us far, far from what God intends for us to be. Something else that can mar us is suffering. Now, suffering itself doesn't mar us. What mars us is how we respond to the suffering. You know, you've probably heard the old saying that, that suffering makes us better Or suffering can make us bitter, right? There's a lot of truth in that. The Bible tells us a story about a a family from Israel. And they went into Moab to live. And it was a 
a mom and a dad and their two sons. And they went into Moab to live. And the, the two sons took Moabite wives and things maybe seemed to be going well. But then the husband died. And then the one son died. And then the other son died. So the mom decided she would just go ahead and go back to Israel. Might as well. She had all of her family was gone. She'd go back to where she came from. She went back to her land and the people saw her and they said, hey, there's Naomi. And I want you to look at how she responded. But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Mara basically meant bitter. I went out full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Naomi came back and the suffering that she had endured in the land of Moab, it had, it had marred her. She was a, a bitter person at this point in her life. When we go through suffering, we can respond in ways that, that aren't the right ways. And it can leave a, a mark, leave us bitter, which is far, far from what God intends for us to be. Something else is just self-perception. You know, some people, they go through life and things happen. Whether it's other people do things or they make decisions. But either way, circumstances of life leave them where they feel marred. Whether they are or not. They feel as though they've been damaged. They feel as though probably they're disfigured. They're, they feel sometimes un, unworthy of coming to God and seeking forgiveness, seeking grace and seeking His mercy. Sometimes it can be the result of, of our own actions. Uh, as a pastor, I have dealt with numerous people who have said they've just they've done so much. They're just not sure God would ever accept them back. Right? It was their actions. It was their consequences. I've, I've known people who, because of their actions and their consequences, it caused loved ones to suffer. And they just felt they were so unworthy of God's love and, and so unworthy of anything God would do because of what their actions had caused on their family. But for some, it's not their own actions. How many of you know? That the actions of others can have consequences in our life. Right? That, that things other people do, they can, they can mar us and, and make us feel unworthy because of what they have done. If they love me, why did they act that way? Maybe I'm not worthy of love. My mom, when we were kids, she worked in a, a youth shelter, which was sort of a... It was halfway... It wasn't quite a juvenile detention facility. It was for... Kids that were either in the foster system that were in between foster parents or runaways, but not for ones that had committed crimes. They, they, and it was for kids like that that had been taken from their parents for abuse and neglect. More than one of those kids told mom, they said they, they just felt there must be something wrong with them if their parents didn't love them. There must be something wrong with them if they allowed these bad things to happen to them. And this self-perceived marring just makes us feel unworthy and it keeps us from being who it is that God wants us to be. As I was studying this, I noticed this next part and, and I have I don't know how many times I've read Jeremiah 18. But the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. As the potter was working, his hands were always on the clay. He never let it go. He, he never turned it loose. He, he never just let it go on its own. He was always there and he was always working. His hands were always on the clay and the mar appeared anyway. The point for Israel was that they were still in God's hands. 
that, yeah, they were rebelling against God, but God was still there. He was still holding them. He was still trying to work them. He was still trying to shape them into who he wanted them to be. They, they weren't out of his hands and they never had been. The truth for us is the same. Regardless of what has marred us. We've never been out of God's hands. We've never been out of his care. We've never been out of a place where he wasn't actively working in our lives, trying to to shape us and to mold us into the people that we wanted to be. Now, maybe like Israel, we rejected it. Or maybe outside circumstances pushed us away or or maybe all of these other things happened. But but none of that really matters because the potter's hands, they were always there. They were always upon us and he was always at work in our lives. Dear friend, understand that no matter where you are in your life or what is going on, you are in God's hands and he has never let you go and he never will. He is always there to be at work in your life. Now, the potter, he sees The vessel was marred. And he has a choice to make. In this choice, he can leave the vessel as it is. Leave it marred. He can say, good enough. He can throw it away. And then just grab a new set of clay and start over again. Or he can take that same lump of clay and then he can remake it. And start all over with the same one in an attempt to to make it what he envisions it being. Gloriously, the potter does not throw the clay away. Gloriously, the potter does not leave the clay as it is. Instead, he, he begins to remake it, to make it into an entirely different vessel. He didn't just try to patch it up. He didn't leave it like it was. And he didn't throw it away. He made it into something that was entirely different. And this is what God does with our marred lives. You know, God doesn't leave us as we are. Now, you know, current wisdom, it says that if you love someone, you accept them just like they are. And there is an element of truth to this. However, accepting someone as they are, it does not mean that we don't want better for them. I mean, I think about it with my daughters. I will always love my daughters, no matter what. But that doesn't mean I'll always be okay with the choices they make. And that doesn't mean when they make bad choices, I won't want better for them than what they're currently experiencing or doing. I love them, but I want better for them then apparently at times maybe what they want for themselves. In a similar way, God wants better for us than often what we want for ourselves. Now, make no mistake, God loves you right now as you are. God does not love some future version of you. God doesn't love a better version of you. God loves you. Just like you are, just as you are in this moment of your life. But, but God loves you too much to leave you as you are. God loves you too much to leave the mar and to act like it's okay. God loves us way too much to merely patch us up, to throw us away or leave us as we are. His love compels him to totally remake us as the potter does with the clay. In my studying for the sermon today, I, I read a story about how bells are fixed if they crack. 
And it's my understanding that if a bell cracks, you have three choices. You can leave it as it is. You can repair it. There's a way to repair it. Or you can recast it. Now, if you leave it as it is, you, you pretty much make it useless. I mean, it's still a bell, but ringing it will break it and therefore it's gone. To repair it, you, you wrap bands around it that are really tight that hold the crack together and keep it from cracking further. And, and doing this is okay, but the bell doesn't really sound right because the bands keep it from ringing true like it's supposed to. Or you can recast it. And what you do when you recast it is you melt it down and you use the same material so it's still the same bell, but you completely remake it. And in this way, it will sound like it's supposed to. Now, of those three options, only recasting allows the bell to be all that it was created to be. To leave the bell alone still leaves it a bell, but it makes it unable to function. It can't do what bells were made to do. To repair it with bands, it's still a bell and it'll still sound, but it'll never sound in all the ways that it's supposed to. It will always be, well, a little marred. And how it sounds. Only in recasting does the bell get to be all that a bell is created to be. Only in recasting can it fulfill the maker's design completely and fully. And when it comes to us when we're marred, we have a choice to make as well. You know, we have the option of staying as we are. You know, this is the option of complacency. I'm fine just like I am. This is who I am. This is how I am. And this is what I am. And we leave the mar and we stay just like we are. But we never really get to be all that God has created us to be. We, we never get to be and fulfill all of the potential God has placed within us as, as His children who are made in His image. But we can choose that. We can repair it. We can find various self-help philosophies. I mean, there's no matter what mars us, there's something out there that tells us a humanist way to fix it. A way to just change it in our own strength and in our own power. This is just the self-help philosophy. And again, this may, this may fix us to an extent. But in doing this, we, we still never get to become all that God has for us. Or we can be like the vessel here and we can let the potter remake us to something entirely different. And I would love to tell you that the third option is the easy option. But it's really not. First option. Well, that's the easiest thing. I mean, doesn't take any effort to stay the same way year after year, time after time. That's the simplest thing to do. It's a little more difficult to go the self-help route, but I mean, all that stuff kind of makes you feel good about yourself. So in the end, that's an easy way to go too. But being remade by God, now that, that's difficult. And the reality is it's painful. For God to shape us and to make us and who he wants it to be. There is pain involved. And as I was thinking about this, I think there's at least three kinds of pain that we have to deal with. Right. There's there is the pain of change. 
you know, change isn't an, an easy concept. It's not an easy thing for most of us to do. And so to make changes is a very difficult, painful thing. But change is a necessary part of being remade. I think it would make sense to say, I cannot be remade if I am not willing to change, right? I mean, I can't stay the same and be different at the same time. And the Bible says that when the kindness and love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we had done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. Now, what I like about this is that the idea of washing of regeneration, renewing, I mean, these are deep and significant changes that God wants to make in our lives. If we were to look in Ezekiel, it talks about giving us a new heart and a new spirit and new desires. Jesus refers to this process as being born again. Right? And, and the idea here is that God makes deep and legitimate and lasting changes. God doesn't change the outward and God doesn't change something minor. God changes almost like our DNA. He changes who we are and our innermost being, not just how we act, but who we are, how we act. It flows out of the difference in who we are. He has remade us. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 says that those who have believed in Jesus, that they are, they are made new, that the old has passed away. Right? We are not the same when God remakes us. He completely remakes us. And there is a pain of change that we have to go through in order to let God make us into who He wants us to be. But there's also the pain of purification. See, that, that initial shaping, that initial remaking is not the final process. It's not the final product. When the, the potter shaped the vessel into what he wanted it to be, he then had to keep going and keep refining it and keep smoothing it out. And there was a lot of work that went into the, pot, the, the vessel being exactly what the potter wanted it to be. And when God remakes us, man, there's still a lot of work to do. Right? Because the ultimate goal, again, Christianity is not about praying a prayer and waiting for Jesus to come back. Right? It's not about sitting in church and then going out and being the same. I mean, it's, there's more. And a part of the more is that God wants to shape us and change us so that we are like Jesus. In our attitudes, in our actions, in our words, in our love, in our priorities, in all areas of our life. I mean, that's a lot of change. At least it is for me. Maybe you're closer than that than I am, but that's a lot God's had to do in me. And so God has to purify us. And when the Bible speaks of God's purification, it often uses fire. He will set as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. It's my understanding that the way you purify gold and silver is that you heat it until it melts. And as it melts, the impurities, the junk, rises to the top. And the refiner, he watches it the whole time. He watches it melt and he watches the junk scoop up, come to the top. And he scoops it out and he throws it away. And then he heats it up some more. And then he scoops out the junk and then he throws it away. And he does this over and over and over again. And again, according to my understanding, the way that the, the refiner knows the silver or the gold is ready is that he sees himself in his reflection in there. He sees himself in the gold. It's pure. And he can see 
himself in it. So when God looks at you and God looks at me, what he wants to see is himself. And so he will turn up the heat. And he will bring junk to the top. And he'll scoop it away. And he'll do this over and over and over until when he looks at us, he sees his character, his nature, his attitudes, his priorities, his words. He sees us looking and acting like Jesus. And that is a painful process at times. Right? Because God doesn't always deal with us about things we want to be dealt with. God doesn't always deal with us about the stuff we want to change. Sometimes he hits us in places that he knows we need to change, but we had not even thought was an area we needed to change yet. Our comfort zones, our prejudices, our priorities, the way we spend our money, the way we use our time, the way we talk to people. God will deal with us about every area and every issue in this world that we face. And in all of it is so that he can see Jesus in our lives, in that area of our lives. And that is a painful process to go through. The final pain is the pain of surrender. See, God, he'll show us an area of our life that he wants to, to refine or he, he shows us that he wants to remake us because we're marred. And again, we, this comes back to the issue of the choice. We have a choice to make. We always have a choice. God does not force anyone to be remade. And God does not force anyone to be refined. Instead, what God does is He, he comes to us and He speaks to us and He says, You're marred and I want to remake you. I have something better for you than you're currently experiencing. I want better for you than you have for yourself right now. And at that point, we have to decide, am I going to submit to the maker's hands? Or am I going to resist and reject what he's doing? And the, sometimes he's going to come to us after we've been remade. And he said, you've been remade. That's wonderful. But there's a little bit here, that little spot here that needs to be chipped off. And, and I need you to, to submit to me as I chip this off. And sometimes, sometimes he's going to want to change us in ways that we want to be changed. Not probably all of us, if we're honest, we have areas of our life that we would love to change. And if God were to come and say, I'm going to supernaturally change this area of your life, we would all do the happy dance, right? Sometimes he does that and those are easy and those are wonderful. But the reality is sometimes God comes to us and God says this. And we're like, ooh, no, 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 that's mine, God. I've got, I've got that area of my life all squared away. I, I don't need you to fix it. And God says this. No, no, I don't want to surrender that, God. I, I want to keep doing this. Or I don't want to take part in that. And God says this. And he just keeps dealing with us over and over and over. And there is the pain of surrender that we'll have to deal with. And surrender is really not an optional part of being a Christian. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after him, we have to deny ourselves, take up our crosses daily and follow him. Self-denial is a, just an, an average part of the Christian life. That's not a next level thing. A very basic part of following Jesus is denying ourselves. The reality, the reality is if we never deny ourselves anything, we aren't actually following Jesus. Now, let me be more specific with that. 
If you're on a diet and you're denying yourself cake, that's not what Jesus is talking about there. That means denying yourself for something Jesus wants you to do. That following Him requires you to deny your internal urge to do otherwise. I mean, unless, unless we are just like Jesus, there are going to be areas of our life that are out of whack with Him. And so He's going to say, go and do this. And there's going to be something within us that says, no. No, I don't want to. He's going to say, let go of this. And there's going to be something within us that says, no, I don't want to. But we have to choose. If we want to be remade, if we want to be refined, we have to deny ourselves so that we can follow him and we can be who he wants us to be and what to be able to do what he wants us to do. Now, this is certainly the most difficult path. And at times it is painful. But this is the only path that allows us to be all that we were created to be. This is the only path that allows us to do all that the maker intended for us to do. The only way to be who we were intended to be, to do what we were intended to do, is to submit to the maker's hands. And let him, as it says here, make us as seems good to the potter to make. We have to release control and let him. He alone knows who we're supposed to be. He alone knows what we're supposed to be. And only by being remade and only by being refined and only by the path of surrender can we be and do all that God intends for us. In verse 5, we're told that this is the word of the Lord that came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as with this potter, says the Lord? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. God's message to Jeremiah is what the potter does to the clay, I can do to Israel. Jeremiah, there's hope. Because they're not out of my hand and they're not out of my power. I can save them. I can refine them. I can remake them. I can do it. What the potter does to the clay, I can do to Israel. It was a hopeful message for Jeremiah. That message of hope to Jeremiah is God's message to us today. What God, what the potter does with the clay and what God said he can do with Israel, God can do to you and God can do to me. And it doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. And the the main thought, I mean, Israel, what I kept thinking about was, if you've read the Old Testament, you know, Israel, they did a lot of pretty bad things. And they got pretty far from the Lord. And yet God said he could he could remake them as the potter did. And so the main thought I want you to leave here with today is this. There is none so marred they cannot be remade. It doesn't matter what life has done to us. God can remake and refine us. It doesn't matter how we've marred ourselves through sin. God can remake and refine us. It doesn't matter how suffering or circumstances have marred us. God can remake us and refine us. 
This was clear in the message and the ministry of Jesus. Everything Jesus did showed that there was none so marred they could not be remade. He, he taught that there was a need to be born again, remade. His teaching was all about the difference he could make in people's lives. But he didn't just say words. He did this. He, he did this in in the miracles that he performed when he raised the dead and caused the lame to walk, the blind to see and cleanse the lepers. There was none so mar that he couldn't remake. This was seen in how he called people to serve him. But Jesus, he didn't go to the religious people, to the educated of the day and call them to come. Instead, he called a, a despised tax collector. He called a sinner to come and follow him because there was none so marred. They couldn't be remade. He called a religious zealot who was in for fighting Rome and taking the sword to them. And he showed that there was none so marred. They couldn't be remade. Jesus, and he took ordinary fishermen and he used them. To turn the world upside down. Because there was none so marred that could not be remade. That was all that he did and all that he said. Today, there is nothing that we have done or nothing that's been done to us. That can mar us beyond the maker's ability to remake us. To refine us. And to make us into who He wants us to be. So that we can be all that we were expected to be. We were created to be. There's more. There's more. There's more than praying a prayer. There's more than focusing on trying to be moral. There's more than just coming to church. There's more. There is life transforming power of an almighty God. That will work in us and through us and for us. If we humbly submit to Him. He wants to do all of this in all of our lives. But He'll not make a one of us do it. Each and every one of us. We have to submit. We have to, to do what the, the old song says. This has to be our prayer. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waited, yielded and still. The person who prays that prayer will be remade. The person who prays that prayer will be refined. And they will become all that God intends for them to be. And they will be able to do all that God intends for them to do. Let's stand as our musicians come forward.